welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians and a few international guests who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck. And today on this episode of Language Chats, we have one of those other Australians um, who is also actually kind of an international guest who is interested in languages. Um, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Penny. Thanks, Beck. Yay! <laughs> um, we're very happy to have you here with us. Um, and Julie, before before we do any introducing anything yourself, I'm just going to ask you, could you let us know where are you calling from? Where are we? Where are we talking to you at the moment? And um, what are you doing there? Well, the view that I've got is of the Lauterbrunnen Valley in Switzerland. I can see it straight above my computer screen. Um, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's eleven ten in the morning in Switzerland. Oh, it just sounds beautiful. picture perfect. <laughs> It does. Oh my god! Can you it imagine? I, I am so jealous that you can look out onto mountains from your like desk window. Oh no. I purposely put my desk here for that reason, but I was finishing my masters when we moved in, and it was very distracting. Yes, it would be. <laughs> so, what what brought you to Switzerland? How did you how did you find yourself there? So, my I was lucky enough to marry a Swiss man. He grew up in Australia. But we worked and travelled in Europe, mainly Switzerland and France before that. And um, we wanted the kids to learn some, well, we thought they would learn Swiss German, but they've learnt German. And we wanted to do a year of skiing and snowboarding in the mountains. And we're still here. Yeah, I was going to say that, <laughs> that year of skiing um, and snowboarding became how many years ago? Uh, five and a half years. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So how old are your kids? They're 14 and 11. Oh, two boys. Nice. Very good. And how has, because obviously living in Switzerland, and you said that you'd done some traveling previously in France and in Switzerland too. Now, how does the language part of your life come into this? Um, Did you already speak some French, I'm guessing, maybe beforehand? Um, You know, how does German come into play? Um, Give us a little bit of your language story. Okay. So, um... I guess my first um, experience with German was one class in high school and at the end of the class I saw the kids in graphics across the hall and I thought, no, I can't do German anymore. That was the most boring class I've ever done. (laughs) And so I asked to change to graphics and little did I know that I was going to marry a man, a Swiss man, and need German in my later life. So that's yeah a bit unfortunate in hindsight and also I did have the opportunity to go to a French immersion school but I didn't take that up either because I was a bit scared about the the older kids at that school that I saw on the street before I when I had the chance to go to that school um so then I worked a couple of seasons in Switzerland um and tried to learn German. I was the Australian who thought, yeah, I just need to go to the country and then I'll start learning. It'll be easy. Yeah, so that wasn't how I didn't turn out how I planned because a lot of people, especially in hotels where I worked, spoke English. Um, so unfortunately, when you start speaking in English, even if you do what I've experienced, is even if you do learn a bit of the language, the relationship 
usually stays in that original language, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I tried to learn a bit of German, but then I thought, do I learn Swiss? Do I learn German? It was all very confusing. Uh, and then I did um, a couple of months in Munich. I, I studied German and worked there. And I thought, okay, I, I, I could have a basic conversation. And unfortunately, then we moved back to Australia. So I didn't continue with that. And my husband and I have never spoken Swiss together. Um, and then I did a TAFE course in French, a night course, because we were going to move back to Europe for a working holiday. And I also did um, two months in Biarritz. I learnt French in the mornings. My husband went surfing in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, we'd speak English. There was no smartphones. There was no, we, um, we didn't have a TV. Um, we didn't have a radio. So basically the mornings were listening to French um, at the school and then the rest was English, unfortunately. And by the end of the eight weeks, my husband could speak more French than I could. <laughs> he he was speaking to surfers in the water. He he doesn't have a fear of trying to get the grammar right. He never he never focuses on grammar. Um, he'd also done quite a few seasons in Switzerland and learnt some Italian and Portuguese. So and kitchen French. So yeah, that was a little bit embarrassing um, that he could communicate better than me. I didn't live that one down. And then we got a job in the French Alps um, running a chalet and all of our guests were English. Of course, yes. Yes. <laughs> so the only time that I got to practice any French there was when I went to the supermarket once a week and that was a bonjour and, yeah, merci, and that's about it. Yep. So unfortunately that didn't help after the two months of learning French. Um, I think I tried to look at French a bit myself and listen to a little bit of French, but I still didn't comprehend how much effort it took to learn or it takes to learn a language. So I, I really did assume that I was going to absorb all this language and that it really wouldn't require much effort. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, we came here five and a half years ago. I was finishing my master's, so I didn't really study any language. I tried to speak my basic German in the when I went shopping or in the shops, but often people would respond in English. And then we were still here after that year, and I thought, okay, my master's is about to finish. If we're staying, then I... I need to put myself on the path of getting my degree recognised here and I can either choose French or German. I live in the German part. All right, I was going to say, out of interest and for context, what did you do your master's in? I'm curious. Oh, um, I was a midwife in Australia. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so um, I live in the German part but I still had that choice to do French or German. I knew French was easier and I've <laughs> – and it's one of my, it's on my bucket list. I had to learn French before I died. Like that was, that's the only thing that I could think of that I have to do before I died. And um, yeah, so I thought, okay, I'm doing French. I've got the motivation. 
Um, it's easier. Yeah. So that's why I chose French. And um, yeah, I did pass that test um, well done. <laughs> that I needed. Uh, yeah, that year my son said, Mum only does French or yoga, nothing, nothing else. <laughs> He, he forgot that I also cooked dinner yeah. and um, did did another bit of work and, yeah, but that year was my year of French and yoga and I only did, I didn't even do that much yoga. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty full-on year and a lot of listening, a lot of italki tutors. I had some really great lecturers as well uh, or professors, I should say, um, and I did a few intensive weeks of French with um, with one of my lecturers in, oh, I keep saying lecturers, professors in France. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was that was the year of French. So that all meant and that you got your midwifery degree recognised so yes. that you could work in Switzerland. Yes. Oh, that's so amazing. Okay. Yeah, but then I thought. <laughs> I feel like a, a second part to the story. <laughs> Ah, it's a very I love confusing it. I love story. It. Yeah, but. <laughs> uh, I really didn't think that we would still be in Switzerland by the time I did that test, oh. you know. So, yeah, I, I did think we'd go back to Australia and um, but I thought I would have a skill of having learnt at least intermediate French. But, no, we're still here. And... Um, <laughs> Okay, uh, I saw there was an ad for a midwife close to here and I emailed and I said, look, my German isn't very good yet, um, blah, blah, I told my story. She goes, okay, well, put your, uh, put your CV together and send it to me. I'm really interested. So I did all that in German. You know how long CVs take. Um, and then I got the message back, no, maybe maybe contact us when your German's better. Oh. So... Yeah, I was confused about whether to continue with French or to go with German. I thought, but we're still here in the German part. I really, I do need to try and integrate more as well. And for the kids' school, I need to be able to, I want to understand the letters that come home from school and not just ask my husband to read it. And and also their German was getting really good that I actually with my younger son, I we we often speak. Well, he speaks Denglish, mm-hmm. so his English sentences will have one or two words of German, and sometimes that's actually quite helpful because I get the context <laughs> and I can guess what he's talking about. Other times, I just his sentence doesn't make sense because the grammar's the wrong way around, and yeah, and he and I think um, as you know, Beck that with German, the verbs on the end. Mm-hmm. And because they're not, you know, they didn't grow up with that, they often just leave it off. So then you don't really know what the sentence is about. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, so, it's common sometimes for, sorry, like for general context for anybody who's listening out there and is interested in this, <laughs> it, it can be quite common to leave off that second verb um, because. Can it? Well, mm-hmm. like in the, like, for example, if you said something like I can speak I can speak German. Yeah. Um, the full way of saying that, I suppose, would be like, ich kann Deutsch sprechen, but you could just say ich kann Deutsch and it would be implied that you mean... I can I speak. speak. I, I can speak Rather than German. I can German. Yeah. 
right. something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like I think that's a that's an interesting like thing that you've picked up with your with your son that he sometimes leaves off that second mm. that infinitive. Um, so maybe he's mm. being really like informal and cool or something. Like is that like? <laughs> 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 you know the kids maybe the kids swim. yeah yeah like I mean it, it yeah. happens not all the time because of course like context doesn't always allow for that like enough detail but mm. in a simple in a simple um example like that then it is yeah so there you go. <laughs> yes he also um both both of my boys will often drop um a preposition that we would normally say in English so um <clears throat> Oh, I have to, I should have written something like that down, but um, I'm taking jacket. Oh, is it oh I'm so, taking my jacket yeah. or is that? Yes. Oh. Or I'm taking the jacket. Yeah, the jacket, our jacket. Yeah, so my husband gives them such a hard time about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so jacket's going with you. Um, <laughs> is jacket going with you tonight or, yeah. <laughs> and gives these inanimate objects a name mm-hmm. and and pretends that they're a person. So your kids are going to school and learning in German exclusively or what's their schooling set up? Yes, so that's all in high German mm-hmm. um, from class, basically from class two, it's just high German. But I would say some of the teachers in some situations revert to Swiss German in some situations. Um, but as, when they learn in the class, it should be in high German. Okay. It's probably a little bit less high German here because we're in a, a small village town. Um, whereas maybe in the city, that would be more used to always speak like to generally speak in high German in a formal situation. Um, Luckily, the principal of the area, he will usually speak in high German and then I get most of it. But then a week after um, a parent-teacher night where I did understand most of it, I was feeling very confident. And then I went to the high school parent teacher night and they spoke in Swiss oh. <laughs> yeah so unless there's the similar verbs in the sentence I don't have much of an idea and luckily they always have a powerpoint which will be in high German so I get the context but for instance they talked about um she said okay so it's a, it's your children are now in high school and don't forget to feed them like give them food and <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if she was saying that at because they eat lunch down there because my son has to get the train down to the school and I wasn't sure if she was saying they're taking too much food and they're not or they're not taking enough. So I knew they were talking about lunch, food, but I just didn't know if she was saying we have to feed them more so that they don't eat so much at lunch or or they're not asking for more food. And, no, apparently it wasn't that. They're happy for them to go back for seconds. But they said, <laughs> you know, give them snacks, make sure, because um, one boy fainted oh. in sport. Oh, no. And she said that might have been because he was hungry. But I don't have to worry with my kids. They usually, they usually take seconds and thirds and <laughs> at lunch. Yeah. Um, now, we... we- 
we diverted and, and started talking about the kids and we didn't finish your your story because <laughs> it's so long no, and I, boring I hear the rest. <laughs> not at all okay um so I started on German and then um I had applied for a midwifery job in the French part of Switzerland and I'd applied there I think just before I got my recognition so maybe March and I said my recognition should come through soon and she called me in September and I'd already changed to German by this stage and I I was still trying to listen to a bit of French every day uh, because I didn't want to lose too much but I wasn't keeping it up like before she said, do you want to come for a trial day next week? And I said, okay, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I seemed to get through the phone conversation well enough. I went for the trial morning and, yeah, I mean, they were probably really patient with me. It, I didn't have to revert to anything in English um, and I'm sure I know I made a lot of mistakes. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. And what I – what I got out of that was she said to her colleague when we're in the having coffee discussing, you know, my history, um, she said, oh, it, 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 must, um, it must have taken a lot of effort to study midwifery in your 30s. <laughs> and I don't think she was saying it in the nicest way. That's, that's the opinion I got. Um, that's the impression I got, I should say. Um, But I really wanted to say, well, actually, learning French has been the hardest thing that I've ever done. (laughs) You know, um, midwifery, yes, it it was life-changing and being a part of so many women's lives was amazing. But it wasn't so hard on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. But as you both know, learning languages, you can do it if you're consistent. Uh, but you have to a lot of that's all in the mind and keeping going um yeah it all it it all stems from there and so anyway I didn't get that job and I didn't want it to be honest either um the the system was very like it was like I was in a private hotel and the babies get taken away for the day from the mums and totally opposite to the way that I'd learnt and wanted to practice midwifery. But, you know, the feeling was probably mutual. So <laughs> then I – but that gave me motivation to uh, – oh, yes. And then my lovely friend Sandra, who I trained with in Australia, she's Swiss and she came back to Switzerland to work and she's working in a beautiful birth centre on the other side of Switzerland. And I said, look, uh, she's, she keeps talking to me. Come and, come and work for us. And I said, oh, I, I, I can't uproot my family and my German's not good enough. And she said, no, no. And I said, and, I'm, you know, I've lost a bit of confidence. I haven't worked uh, for a few years. And she set me up a week work experience with her um, in that birth centre. Wow. And it was amazing. Um, such an amazing experience. And I thought, oh, I have to, I have to keep going with German, you know. Um, but, of course, there, there's that extra layer of, yes, all the notes are in German, everything you read's in German, but the people want to speak Swiss. That's their language. So it's really like you almost need to learn two languages mm-hmm. to, um, to be confident in that setting. 
So yes, I'm still a long way away from that. I yeah. think there would I think there would be a lot of people out there who would definitely identify with your feelings of like loss of confidence, but also the just the levels of effort that are involved in mm. getting to a point where you can like even getting to a point where you can converse with somebody is a lot of effort, but getting to a point where you can then work in a language is yeah. like a whole nother, like it's a massive step up. And I wanted to ask actually as well, because given, you know, the, the, the field of work that you are in, um, how, like again, in addition to just learning to be able to converse and, and write and, and understand how what's it like having to learn technical knowledge sorry like technical language for a job like working in a you know in a birth center or a hospital um and being a midwife because I can imagine like for me I think that would be that would be terrifying in some of the languages that I've studied I'm like well I managed to get to a conversational level that's because I was like talking casually with friends and like we could go out for dinner and you know go for drinks at a bar and then of course after a few drinks everything's fine um <laughs> everything feels better and it's all a bit easier and you're much more confident but if you are working and um you know especially in healthcare I can imagine the the technical terminology that you would need might sometimes be really difficult to to remember and establish how how have you found all of that well I don't work as a midwife so that probably answers your question oh. <laughs> um yeah so I I I'm not at the level of having the confidence to use those terms basically and I think that's why I also thought French would be the easier path to take because in the medical field a lot of the words are similar to English Mm -hmm. so um even if you got the word wrong it's really not much different from how they would say it German is another ball game. It's for me, especially when I started learning, the words just, they just don't make sense. They just, I, I'm, I'm like, why did they put these letters together? You know, <laughs> it, you know, I really just couldn't comprehend some of the words. Oh. With French, when I didn't know a word, I would say it in English with a French accent. And seriously, 50% of the time it was right. Not, not the basic conversation words. You do have to learn those. But once you get into conversations that are a little bit more in depth, then, yeah, 50% of the time they were right. Uh, it was really surprising. Um, and that just doesn't happen with German, <laughs> mm-hmm. as you know. So, um, yeah, my friend even messaged me two months ago and said, hey, we're so desperate, I think they would be happy with your level of German. Uh, <laughs> they're just so desperate. And because all of, most of them speak English well as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's as you said, it's, um, it's that confidence. It's, and especially in the health field, as a midwife, if you don't have confidence in your job, you really can't do it. And even if it's a bit of a faking it till you make it at the start, um, it's not a position where women want to listen to someone who's not confident. So, yeah, that that um, prevents me from sort of going further with that at the moment as well. Good on you for just 
having all those experiences and putting yourself out there and doing the work experience and actually getting in amongst it in like multiple languages, <laughs> French and German. <laughs> um, can you, because I'm not that familiar with the differences between German, high German, normal German and Swiss, can you explain a little bit like in a very beginner basic way? <laughs> Ah, yeah. So um, I'm definitely not, I can't really speak much about Swiss. I, I listen to it on the radio and I do hear certain things over and over and I, um, I've i had a couple of people give me some tips. But for instance, the first word I learned in Swiss is hochlich. That's the first word I learned when I met my husband. And what does it mean? <laughs> yeah. It means kitchen cupboard. Oh, so handy. <laughs> yeah, but in German, that's, so um, <laughs> yeah, I can't even think of it at the moment. It's Kuchenschrank, I glaube, I think. I think yeah. it's Kuchenschrank. So Kuchenschrank and Kuchenschrank. Wow. And they, uh, the, yeah. the words even sound really different as well, the way that you form yes. them. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and I will... I have to say as well, um, my accent is really bad. That sounds so, good to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so it's obviously like there's there's pronunciation differences, mm. but also there's like very significant vocabulary differences as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Often they use they seem to use the verb um, in they use a similar verb, and so for instance, where in high German it uh, would be the verb would have an I and then an E. Well, I pronounce, I can pronounce it as an Australian, I can pronounce that as E. But in Swiss, um, it will have a different sound. And then in Swiss, they will often invert those vowels. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. I feel like um, you're going to have to go looking up some YouTube videos in like Swiss, <laughs> German. Yeah, you should. What does Roger Federer speak? Yeah. Does he speak Swiss? Ooh. Yeah, he'd, he'd speak Swiss. Because he's yeah. from Basel, isn't he? Is that, is that right? Yes. Yes. So, and then every area will have a different dialect. Wow. Oh, I think he's from Basel. So if you think. If yeah, you I don't know why, Basel, I thought, I why I thought that. And it's not like I'm like a, a groupie or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was funny. My younger son, we were talking about. Roger Federer and my younger son said who's that oh. and we said you just have to know you can't not know you're it's it's one of Australia's favorite tennis players but he's Swiss as well you have to know <laughs> yeah, just like is. you kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what would you what would you say Julie is because you talked about confidence and sometimes some of the things that are really like difficult I suppose about um about the experience of learning and being in country and um, how that's been for you. What would you say is the thing you're most proud of? What are you most What are you most happy about in your development and your learning over over these years? Well, it's probably that I stuck with it. To be honest, that I finished because I. In my past, I have had a history of not finishing things, some things, not everything, like 
I did my midwifery and I got my master's. So I finished those. So I was proud of that. But yeah, finishing. So I think um, I was at level A2, around A2 in French, and I had to get to B2. Wow. And yeah. And some days I would comprehend how much work that was and other days I wouldn't, you know. And then I, I think every language learner goes through that where they think they're just getting something and then they listen to another video or YouTube uh, podcast or series and they go, oh, okay, so I, I actually don't know anything. You know, that's <laughs> I'm really, really down there. So I was, yeah, somewhere very low A2 and we were in France and I had that moment where I thought, oh, I'm just not going to be able to do this. Like, really, there's no, what's the point? I'm spending money. I'm using all my time. What is the point to me continuing this? We might not even be in Switzerland in a year. And I was <laughs> listening to something and studying while my kids are at the skate park. We're at the skate park in France. And I just saw them practicing the same thing, the same trick a hundred times. And it actually, it actually makes me really emotional because they taught me so much. And um, yet I thought if they can do that, so can I. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. They're amazing, those little buggers of ours, aren't they? <laughs> I know. Trust, in, yeah. trust in your kids to teach you that, you know, persistence is everything. <laughs> I know. They're probably yeah. sitting there, you so, know, if, I'm sure that they would tell you as well, like, mum, you can do it. They'd, prob- they'd probably cheer you on. And, like, I think it's, but that's, that's such a good, like a, a really visual, like I can, I can see you sitting at the skate park watching these kids like doing the same trick over and over again yeah. because you're right. It's exactly what kids often do. They keep going yeah. at it until like, you know, until everybody else is so sick of seeing them do something or say something or sing something or <laughs> what, yeah. whatever it is that they're doing that everyone else is going crazy, but then they finally get it. Um, and so w- what a good lesson for them to, to yeah. pass on to you. Yes, it was a great lesson. Fantastic. I couldn't give up no. after that. And well done. It's a huge <laughs> yeah. achievement, really. <laughs> I've been telling lots of people your story and they're just like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it really is amazing. It is. So in terms of, I guess, like where do you see yourself going from now in terms of language? Because, you know, you've you've had an awesome chunk of French and you've got a really awesome chunk of German are you I guess have you got aspirations for improving either or for I guess improving your Swiss or dare I say adding another language (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I've um I've just gotten a job where I will need to speak German they only speak German so that and luckily they I've done a trial day and um they were only speaking oh. high German. So, yes, that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, later it'd be cool to say, hey, can you try and say some Swiss to me as well? That would be awesome. But it'd be really good to just get comfortable with German. And most of my German learning is online. Um, and online learning is fantastic. I wouldn't have been able to do it without it. But 
it is quite um, controlled and not very spontaneous. And um, so doing this job, I'm hoping to get the experience with the spontaneity and just the everyday stayings and just getting more comfortable in general. Um, and yes, I had a I had a bit of a dabble with Italian oh. last year. Oh, fun. Yeah. And my husband heard me and he said, oh, are your French and German really good, too good at the moment that you need to add in another oh, language? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Oh, I did have to laugh that, yes, he has a point because as, as I told you, my whole life had been French and then I'd changed to German. And, and so in a way, they, they incidentally learn a little bit of French and hear more German because I have it on when I'm in the kitchen cooking or um, I'll have a lesson and I'll hear something. And my my husband loves doing his fake French <laughs> accent with words. And and the kids learn French at school as their second language. English is the third language. So um, I've really tried to help them with the French and expose them with that because I didn't do such a good of good job of preparing them before we came to Switzerland with German. And I kind of re regretted that. Um, so I, I prepared them before we did a long stay in France and then they've got it at school. So we try to court, you know, add in a little bit of French here and there. Um, yeah, so I saw a job the other day because I've been applying and it was, they wanted European language, but particularly Italian. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can do Italian. Yeah, I can learn Italian. Let me. <laughs> if it's for a job, I'll even be more motivated. <laughs> so yeah, Italian. I'd love to learn Italian. I love Italy. Yeah, that it's a toss up between Italian and Spanish because I really want to watch Money Heist in Spanish. <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'll probably end up being Italian, considering it's the third official language of Switzerland mm -hmm. as well. That would be useful, I would say. And it's very similar to French. Yes. I've heard. Yep. yep. Lots of similarities. Well, Julie, I think you can do it. I don't think you should feel bad about bringing Italian into the mix. <laughs> don't, don't listen to yep. that husband of yours. So I don't know what it's about. <laughs> well, he has a point because um, as you both know that um, I I always say Agnieszka's name wrong. Agnieszka. But, um, yep. Agnieszka. Uh, Murdoch um, yeah her great talk about attrition and so I I have suffered that and she when I messaged her about it she thought it was more because she'd become fluent in English that she'd had attrition with Polish um, and I said actually no I'm not fluent in French or German but I've still got the problem with English so um, that was I it's, I feel like my brain's only got enough space to concentrate on a couple of things at a time. And the more words I learn in German, the less I remember in French. Mm -hmm. Like I lose them in French and English, actually. Yeah, unfortunately. Like I do think in some ways that's a quite natural process, though, isn't it? And for, sorry, for anybody there who doesn't know who Agnieszka Murdoch is, um, she we, we'll pop a link maybe in the show notes to her social media so you can find out what she does. Um, but I think now her talk about language attrition was in 
um, women in language. In women in language. Yeah, so that was at Women in Language earlier in 2022. Um, so that talk um that exact recording won't be available online because it was part of that conference but I'm sure she's probably done some other can you yeah I think you can back like I think you can pay to watch the odd one well in that case we will link everybody to um Mm. to women in language just in case you are interested in going back and seeing some of in addition to Agnieszka's um presentation a whole bunch of other really interesting presentations that have been at women in language in the past Yes. I definitely think what you were saying, though, is, is such a true thing that when you've got one language or, or whatever it is front of mind, then the others naturally go back, whichever one it is, even if you're not fluent or even if it's not your native language. And then it, I think every time they go back, you lose a little bit or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? There's yeah. science in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with my dad and he was talking about um, some sort of renovation um, and putting in some drawers and things like that. And I, t- I wanted to explain to him something I'd seen which would be a great setup for him in this situation. And in that conversation, there were three words that I could not remember. I, re- I really, three different words um, of objects and... Uh, even at this job trial last week, um, it was all German until this Swiss guy who apparently works in the main office, but he was helping out in production. He wanted to see how it all went. And um, he he wanted to talk to me in English. And then he said, oh, and what's what's that machine there? That's a fork. He, he said it a little bit incorrectly the first time, but then he corrected himself. Said, That's a forklift, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It was like it's one that a person uses, so I'm sure it's not called a forklift, but I had no clue what you would call it. So I just said yes. (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. Honestly, I I feel like these days even even in your native language, like even as an English speaker who lives in Australia and uses English every day, there are honestly still times where I see something and I'm like, you know, the thing with the wheels. Like the yeah oh good that makes me feel better Beck. thank you you know the thing wasn't you, sure if it was you lift it yeah. and it lifts stuff and yeah it's got a pump on it and <laughs> yeah oh Julie it's been so much fun to chat to you thank you yeah. oh it's been great thanks for listening oh, to me oh, no, thank you for thank you for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing your story with all of us and all of our listeners on language. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So thank you. And thanks for inviting me. um, Thank you for everyone tuning into another episode of language chats. Um, If you have any questions for Julie, you can contact us through the normal language lover AU methods. So our email address, Facebook and Instagram, we'll put all the links in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, and of course, as Julie just mentioned, she is a member of the Language Lovers AU community on Facebook. So if you also wanted to join in there and join in the conversation about uh, language and all language loving things um, with other people like us, then please do find us um, over there. 
Woohoo! Thanks, Julie. <laughs> Thanks. Can we say tschüss? What do I say? Can I say tschüss? Tschüss. Tschüss miteinander. Tschüss miteinander. Tschüss. Danke. Thank you.